Hello, and welcome to Better Betting. Here are your hosts, the King of Timonium, Gary Quill, and the ruler of the replays, Eric Rubin. Hey, and welcome to Better Betting. My name is Eric Rubin, and I'm here with my partner, the King of Timonium, Gary Quill. GQ, how be you? I'm, I'm feeling down, Eric. I, I didn't come through. I'm a total failure. Well, a lot of people might might think that 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 ship has sailed. I, I was already there as a failure. But uh, um, much to my horror, I'm here at Pimlico. We're recording this on Thursday. I figured, oh, all these social media types that talk horse racing for all the little gigs that they do. Sure, they're going to be here to to you know jump in or even if I could pre-record some thoughts with them and um nah everybody uh just probably took today to do all their handicapping for the next two days uh so um it's far and few between um previous guest dave weaver from tvg talk to him he's here steve bick another past um guest so uh I, I failed miserably with a guest, so unfortunately, uh, we'll have to do it a uh, just a duet today. I, I'm actually I'm not too disappointed in you, actually, <laughs> and I'll tell you why because we didn't really plan this out all that well. You were just going to go around and like grab people randomly, right? And I was basically be sitting by a computer for like three or four hours waiting for you to find people and then say, "All right, I'm ready." So it kind of freed up my uh, late afternoon evening here. So I do not mind in a way. It would have been nice to hear from people, but yeah. we have plenty of guests lined up for the next several weeks. We've had a lot of guests, and just the two of us actually gives us time to talk a little more about like betting strategies and and stuff that I really wanted to do a lot of with this show and. We have done a decent amount, but we don't do enough of. So when we talk about the races, I can talk about betting strategies and I'm hoping to have time and that it won't be too confusing to do like constructing a pick five ticket. Uh, so I'm going to get into that as well uh, later in the program. But uh, first, how's uh, how's the weather down there? Because I hear it's going to be a scorcher this weekend. Yeah. Yeah, we, we had like rain overnight into early morning, early, early morning, which they no shocker they took thursday's races off the turf but tracks fast it's going to be ungodly uh hot 90s tomorrow mid 90s saturday so uh i i might have to rethink my typical preakness day attire of a uh, long sleeve dress shirt and my preakness tie so i could always wear shorts too but then again that you know er the, you know, everybody would leave once they saw me, my legs uh, in shorts. So. <laughs> but we'll get through. There's been other hot uh, days at Preakness, but it, it'll be interesting to see how horses, you know, react to the, you know, because in, in Baltimore, uh, it's, it tends to be very humid, not just hot. Not It's not a dry heat, as you well know, also, uh, when the heat gets up to your neck of the woods so we'll, we'll get through it um we won't have a triple crown winner as everybody knows but um hopefully it'll still shape up to be a decent race and we'll see if either one of us are willing to try to beat um the prohibitive favorite episode 
Well, luckily you're a social media darling and been on 17 shows. So I know who you like. You're writing for the racing biz. So I, I got all your write-ups and stuff like yeah. that. Well, I didn't see the actual write-ups, but I got the gist of them. So uh, I have an unfair advantage of, of knowing some things about how, how you feel this preakness, but uh, I'm looking forward to sharing that with our, our listeners uh, here today. Uh, any, uh, any way, were you watching the race? Today? I know you're there, but you're more of a socialite, uh, cause you're so popular. Were you able to watch the races? And if so, did you notice the track playing a certain way? Cause I didn't look at all. I'll look before Saturday, but yeah. Um, a couple of the early races seemed like you needed to be more forwardly placed, um, race that, uh, was just run, you know, from, you know, sprint from the far turn course came from mid pack to, to win. Like I said, they're off the turf today, so um, can't can't decide that. But uh, no, um, you know everybody, you know, likes to talk about you know when they soup up uh, the track, you know, and it's, it's speed favoring. But at least so far, knock on wood, that's not the case. We'll see tomorrow what the tomorrow brings. Um, but uh, you know, we'll we'll just have to play out by ear and and. As, as you alluded to, um, I don't even think uh, what you're referring to uh, that I did for the racing biz. There's going to be on the racing biz a piece by me that I did pre-COVID called GQ Says. And it's just my my kind of opinion. I talk about each horse in the Preakness, you know, my opinion, good, bad, and different, and kind of just let people take that information for what it's worth. I might give a hint of where I'm leaning, but, um, in that article, I didn't give specific picks. So to answer your question, no, uh, not favoring closers, not favoring early speed. It seems to be fair. All right. And that's something we'll keep an eye on, uh, tomorrow, which is Friday. We're recording this on Thursday and, and during the day, Saturday. And I really didn't look over the Saturday card other than the five races we're going to cover, but I saw some chatter, I guess, on social media, that eh, didn't come up that good, the card, but the five races I'm pretty happy with because I found horses, not necessarily chalk. I mean, it, it's the field sizes are okay. It's not like huge, but they're decent field sizes. So I'm, uh, I'm pretty excited. I'm actually more excited maybe about Belmont on Saturday because he's got like <laughs> 10 horses a race, even though it's all like New York bred maidens, but uh, I just like big field sizes. I don't even care. I'm thinking about uh, Canterbury tonight, Thursday night, because they have huge field sizes too. So um, I'm more about that than the big races and the big horses, big name horses. So, you know, maybe you have a couple of grade threes and grade twos with not the, the greatest horses, but uh, it's still competitive racing. And uh, I found some favorites I don't love and uh, I'm looking forward to it. So is there anything else we should, uh, we should talk about before we get into the pick five? No, let's just uh, get, get to it. I mean, other than all, all I can share with people is this morning, pretty much got to see every horse that uh, is going to be running in the Preakness. Um, interesting to note that I thought Happy Jack actually looked pretty good. Um, <laughs> Ar uh, um, Arm Armanac, I believe is how they pronounce it, the, the Tim Yachtin, uh California shipper, he was – pretty uh, not washed out but he had gotten pretty hot he was coming back and i actually was able to do a one-on-one -on -one interview with uh, his trainer timmy actin and brought that up and he kind of said well that that's type that's the type of horse he is kind of like shackleford was that way 
Shackelford looked like he, he, there was no way he could run. Um, and he wound up winning when he was all washed out. So Jack Teen, if you like arm and neck for whatever reason, um, and if you're a physical type of handicapper and you see the horse or you hear the, the talking head say, oh, you know, he's getting pretty hot. Well, according to Yak Teen, he'd be worried if he did. So um, that might be just some information some people may be interested in. All right. Excellent. Thank you for that information. And oh, you have something else that looks no, like. No, no. Well, I, I think I tweeted it out. Um, the highlight of every uh, alibi breakfast is D. Wayne Lucas, and he's 86. And so he's all, you know, it's like his stand up comedy act. And he, he goes, well, but there's three things that happen when you get old. The first is loss of memory. <laughs> and that's all he said. And I think I was like the first one in the place that started cracking up. Everybody else is like, huh? <laughs> so... <laughs> You know, I had to bring that up. <laughs> yes, I actually did see your little tweet about it. So, D. Wayne, the jokester. Yeah, you. Yeah, you I, I, I've lost my mojo on Twitter. I, I mean, in past years, you know, when I was the guy here and tweeting out, you know, videos and whatever, I mean, people would retweet, like, blah, blah, blah. I'd be lucky if I got uh, half a dozen likes on any of these. Well, so. I apologize. I, I was at work just at lunch looking up. <laughs> I should have liked it. Maybe I did. I don't know. Maybe I should have. Uh, so I apologize. Oh, I'm, I'm staying beyond my close personal friends and, and <laughs> you, Eric. Thank you. <laughs> it's very thoughtful <laughs> of you. Um, and we're going to we're gonna get into the pick five now before GQ tries to. The only thing worse than GQ jokes are GQ retelling other people's bad jokes. Uh, <laughs> but... In this pick five that starts with race nine, uh, we're going to get into GQ is sitting in the bowels of Pimlico. And I will say there are a lot of bowels when it comes to Pimlico. <laughs> so I don't know which bowel he's in, but he's in one of them. And his uh, service is not great, but it's been good so far. So knock on wood, we, uh, we make it through this show without any interruptions. So we'll, we'll start the Saturday late pick five race nine at Pimlico. This is a grade three Chick Lang Two hundred thousand dollars, six furlongs you know on the dirt. Was he? I should know this, but was he either the race caller or a writer? Maybe a writer in Baltimore, a horse writer. Close. He was like the general manager, longtime general manager of Pimlico. Uh, it's not even close, but thank you for not telling oh, me wrong. Oh, oh, I'm sorry, I'm not as old. No, but no, no, I, no, no. That's like so. Yeah, that you know, for anyone who wants to be educated on why certain race races are called and who this person is he yeah. was, and and actually for people who actually remember when spend a buck in 1985 uh anybody who was alive or actually saw that there was a big scuttlebutt that um a uh, guy who owned the garden state uh racetrack robert brennan he offered a five million dollar bonus to spend a buck if he would run and win in the Jersey Derby, which was like a week after the Preakness. So they took the money. <laughs> they were like, five million? Yeah, that's good. Who needs the Preakness? And there was a big media war of words between the, the owner of the Garden State, Robert Brennan, 
who was like the president of Jersey Securities that went belly up because of fraud or something like that. <laughs> and Chick Lang, who was like the general manager, the, he was the head cheerleader for the Preakness. So. All right, now Brennan has a legacy of possible fraud, and Chick Lang's got a yeah. name, a race named after him. All and right. actually, his oh, when he died, more. they 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 spread his ashes uh, across the winter circle that they only use for Preakness, which is on the infield. So you can't that get that kind of information on any other show. So thank you. No, Chick- you cannot. But he is a he is a local there, so this is his track. So this is his uh, his race. All right, so race nine, the chick line. This is uh, when I looked at this before the morning lines, GQ, this is when I sent you that message. Uh, and I'm afraid to say it because I respect him a lot and he's going to think I'm an ass, but I texted you or whatever, said was Keith Fusel drinking when he made the morning line for this race. Um, maybe I'm wrong. And, and maybe like the Briz figures or the sheets or whatever don't like the horse, but I, I don't see... Uh, do you think you're getting four to one on Irad, the seven Wheeling Springs? I mean, he beat the one last time, the one had an easy lead. I, I don't see why they should be, why he should be favored. Uh, I mean, what the weight difference is that a big deal? A few pounds. I'm just surprised. I assume the seven will be favored over the one and they'll both take money. I'm sure. Any thoughts on that or. Well, I mean, for what it's worth, not that anybody pays attention to Brisnet prime power ratings, but. Wheeling Springs is only sixth highest power rating in here. You know? Yeah, but last race they ran against each other, and Cogburn, the one, had an easy lead. Right. Wheeling Springs sat off of him and passed him when he had to. I mean, I, I don't see why they should turn the tables. You want to see Cogburn third off a layup, but he had a soft trip and he still couldn't beat him. So, I, I well, listen, I hope the morning line is right. Oh, Keith, Keith is right on the other side of this wall. You, uh, it, we can... If he comes out and picks his head in, I'll, I'll during our little recording, I'll ask him about that. All right. I thought maybe you <laughs> pulled Keith in to be a guest here. He probably knows the races, but that's all right. You, you rest up. Um, all right. So I, I like Wheeling Springs. I just don't think I'm going to get four to one. I guess it depends how short a price you want to take. Now, he's in Oklahoma, Arkansas, bred. Sorry, running against Arkansas, bred at Oakland. Then he stepped up in the Bachelor. And I just thought he ran better than Cogburn. And I don't see a reason why I should switch. And, you know, he had Manny, is it Manny Esquivel, I think? Emmanuel, I think it's Manny Esquivel on him. And now he goes to Irad. That's only a, a step up. Yeah, he's picking up three pounds. What do you do? But uh, I think Irad's worth more than three pounds. And, you know, Cogburn has Rosario. He had Santana, who I know has not been the same, maybe, but he's still a good jockey, I think. And, you know, Rosario is excellent. But Cogburn's had easy leads in pretty much all his races since his debut. And the one time he didn't have an easy lead, his debut, he, he backed up, which is understandable, but um, I don't know. Maybe he gets an easy lead here, but there seems to be other speeds, so I, I really don't think so. Um, and Wheeling Springs shouldn't get a good setup here. So unless the track is playing like the inside speed dominant, uh, I definitely like Wheeling Springs. And I'll just say the other horse I kind of like here, or two more I'll talk about, buy you some time here, and then you can jump in. Uh, horse who I'm going to build a lot of bets around is not Wheeling Springs. Now, if Wheeling Springs is four to one, definitely. But assuming he's like two to one ish, like I expect, maybe five to two, uh, I'm going to build a lot around the three horse, Dr. Jeff, Luis Saez for Rudy Rodriguez. Source who broke his maiden impressively at Belmont, albeit in an off the turf event. And he was a favorite in that race. So who knows what he beat there? Uh, I do know the horses from New York for Ticonderoga and flipped the script, but I don't remember enough about them. Goes in the Saratoga special 
where he got into a big duel with Gunite. Now, Gunite was 9-2 to two that day, but Gunite, for, I think, Asmussen, was one of the top two-year-olds running in New York. Uh, he just didn't develop uh, after a while, but um, I think he, uh, like, peaked early. He got, like, 90 buyers right away. Uh, but Gunite ran, you know, really well a few races, and this horse dueled him, so of course he's going to back up, and Gunite didn't back up as much, but, you know, he only finished, what, five lengths behind, six lengths behind Gunite after dueling. That was pretty impressive. Granted, High Oak sat a little off the pace and, and won, so it wasn't like the pace disintegrated, but I thought that was a really good race. So his 68 buyer that he earned in the Saratoga special is the three Dr. Jeff. To me, that was, you know, probably close to like an 80-ish, and that was as a two-year-old. Coming back as a three-year-old with natural development, he's going to be better than that. The only question is, well, two questions. A, is he ready? And B, there is a lot of speed in the race. Can he sit off the pace if he needs to, or is he fast enough to just wire the field? Uh, and the first question, Rudy is very, very good, I think, with these numbers. I thought I wrote it down, and I don't have it here. Maybe that was the next race I wrote it down, but I'm pretty sure Rudy's excellent with these numbers. Disappointed I don't have it in front of me here. And... I don't think he would ship him for a grade three if he wasn't ready to run. I don't think he's doing this for a prep. So I, I think he'll be ready. And then the other question is, can he sit? I don't know. I mean, he sort of passed the horse on the turf. He ran longer. I think he can go to the lead. I'm, I'm thinking he can sit if he needs to, but he might just want to wire the field anyway. So I, I like the three. I don't know if we'll get 15 to one, but if we do, I'm happy. So I'm three, seven. And the third horse, I'll wrap it up quickly. Sorry, I'm going so long. Is Little Vic, the nine. These are horse who is... They were trying to stretch him out. They ran him in the Sam Davis three back where he got into a little bit of a duel, but I don't think it was that fast of a pace with classic Causeway. Uh, and, and he faded pretty badly, but that was too far. And there was a bit of a duel there. They then put him in an allowance optional claiming first level, a mile and eighth. So he gets some class relief two back. This is at Gulfstream. And he chases a very fast pace. And it, again, it was probably too far. So they give him a couple months off. He comes back at Monmouth. I was betting that day. I think I, it was like a cheap pick five. I think I hit. Uh, but anyway, he uh, attends the pace. He stalked, kind of dueled a nine to two shot. Penetrator came in third. He won easy. Uh, he's just a sprinter. He's not a long distance horse. I, I think he has a good shot here, especially because he's shown he can sit a little bit if he needs to. So uh, I I'm about this. I think the seven is going to win, but I like the three for the odds. Uh, definitely. And especially if the nine is six to one, I don't think you'll get six to one the nine either. Um, but but I like the nine. So I'm seven, three, nine here. And I'll talk briefly after GQ goes about betting the race. So GQ, any thoughts on the horses I spoke about or anyone I missed? Yeah, I mean, to back or to make you feel good about your selection using the three, Dr. Jeff, and you're, you know, trying to read Rudy Rod's intention with this horse. I mean, he does bring another horse down in the Sir Barton, but that horse is 31 morning line. So oh. you know, I, always, I always go by uh, there. There's a horse in the race 11, right it on the ice, mm -hmm. 30 to one morning line. It's Rudy rod. And it's just a you know case of if you're shipping down, you know, ship, you know, bring down more than one horse type of thing. If, if you're the, if you're shipping versus, you know, paying some, some shipping company, whatever. So that's, that's just uh, something here or there. But like you said, there's a lot of speed in this race, which would even make it tougher on Cogburn to, to, you know, be the better horse uh, um, or seek revenge over wheel and springs. 
I, you know, looking at some other horses, um, number the nine, Little Vic, I mean, went up against uh, Skippy Longstocking, uh, two, two back at Gulfstream going long, uh, dueled with Classic Causeway and the Stam F. Davis. You know, they finally decide he's a sprinter and he ran well, not sure what he beat because he was, you know, three to five favorite. But uh, maybe he comes off the pace a little bit. Like you said, maybe looking for somebody off pace. So I'd go with the other ass muscle horse, the six chasing time. You know, the, it, back when he was running at Churchill and just sprinting were his best races on speed figure wise. So maybe, uh, you know, the speed that he showed going long, typically horses after that, they don't show the early speed that maybe they did when they were sprinting. So he reverts back. The interesting thing, does Asmussen have like a string up at Belmont? Yes. Oh, okay. Because this horse is, uh, has been training up at Belmont since uh, they said, okay, obviously he's not good enough to continue down the Derby uh, trail. So um, they, they, he was at Oaklawn Park for the winter. And then as soon as the Arkansas Derby was over, they shipped him off to uh, Belmont. So I, you know, for for a price, um, I'd be on chase. Oh, and GQ uh, finally cut out there for a moment. Oh, but we heard you, the sixth chasing time. And he would be my next pick if I went one deeper for the reasons you said. I won't repeat them. So in this spot, how would I bet this race if I was betting vertically? Well, again, it's tough because I don't know the odds. Usually I feel they're pretty accurate at Laurel. I just don't think this race is too accurate. Uh, and maybe I'm wrong. I mean, Keith knows a lot better than me. Uh, but assuming the price was right, I, I would key the seven at four to one. I'd put him first. I'd put him second. I don't see him finishing worse than second, especially because the race sets up so well for him here. Um, I, I'd put him over the three, over the six, and over the nine mostly. So I might do um, like a dollar or whatever the amount is, but a triple seven with three, six, nine, and then three, six, nine with seven with three, six, nine. Uh, so those would be like triples. I might do the same in the supers. What I would try and do is I'm going to try and get Cogburn out because he seems to be a horse that he's never passed a horse with all this speed. And I think he's had easy leads. I'm hoping he duels and just gets tired. So I'm going to try and beat him. He won't be on my tickets. I'm going to try and beat the five who's two to one, who I don't think will be the two to one shot, but maybe he will be because uh, I feel he had easy leads also. And if they duel him, I mean, he did duel in his first race at Delta Downs, but who was that against? Probably no one. And then he was five cents to the dollar in the next race, the second race at, at um, Delta. And he wasn't easy, but that's another horse I'm, I'm going to play again. So one in five won't be on my tickets and pretty much everyone else will be. Um, I, I don't think the eight has a shot. So maybe I'll leave the eight off, but um, he might be like third or fourth in my triples. But again, I'm going to put the seven over a bunch of horses, not the one in four. Uh, and then because I do like the three, I'm just worried about the pace. That's the only reason why I'm not king around him. Cause I can see him getting eaten up in the pace. Um, you know, I'll, I'll make some bets keying the three also. I'll have a lot with the three, seven, probably exact the boxes, more seven over the three. Uh, but that's kind of how I'll play this race. And then I, I don't spread a lot of my pick threes and doubles. So what I'll do is I'll bet some pick threes and doubles and I'll talk about them next race after I talk about who I like next race rather than right now. So uh, I, I am planning on playing pick threes and doubles. And again, when I don't like the two morning line favorites, the one in the five in race nine, I'm, I'm all in on the race. 
again, I just don't know if they're the morning line, if they're going to be the favorites, but I hope they are. All right. You want to go to race 10 or anything to add? Uh, let's, let's move on. All right. If I'm talking too much, let me know. Don't be afraid to cut me off. I'm, I'm yapping a lot. Um, race 10, the J James W. Murphy, J.W. Murphy, $100,000 on the turf going one mile for the boys. I guess the girls are allowed in, but they didn't enter. And we know who, well, I shouldn't say we know. I know who GQ likes here. I don't even know if GQ knows who he likes, but I know who he likes. And that's because his Preakness winner is running in the J.W. Murphy instead of the Preakness. You know who I'm talking about? <laughs> of course. <laughs> so go ahead. Tell us about your, uh, your friend there on the outside. Joe? Number 10, Joe, who, <laughs> if I'm you're... not mistaken, he, GQ tweeted out something like, I'm excited to bet him in the Preakness, or I might be putting words in your mouth, but something like that. Oh, no, that, I, I was just mentioning what potential local horses uh, out, outside of a derby winner who, who, who would be willing to take him on. Well, at the, and the only reason why I mentioned Joe was that uh, the winner of the Federico Tessio which is, you know, the precursor to the Preakness, gets a free ride entry into the Preakness. Well, the problem is, is uh, the Elkstone Group, who uh, bred and own, still owns and races Joe, um, didn't think he was going to be that good of a horse to even nominate him to the Triple Crown. <laughs> so those, that free entry doesn't mean a whole, whole hill of beans um, if he, they'd have to supplement him. So uh and uh joe's a nice horse but he certainly isn't a preakness level horse well i think he has a big shot here the only thing i don't like is a short price that you're gonna have to take probably he is first of all his last race i know it was on the dirt um i was down there with you i believe his last race. was i at the tessio or was i at the uh, the private it, terms maybe race maybe the private terms. yeah and i think i actually bet him there and he came in second i didn't no i didn't he was a favorite i don't remember but i didn't do well that weekend so <laughs> it was a disaster of a weekend as far as the betting for me um but joe ran really really well in the frederick tessio last race he was three wide uh dueling with a 15 to one shot 11 to one shot who both kind of faded towards the back one faded the last the other faded a fifth uh but was you know fairly far back uh granted they were a little bit of a price but they weren't like crazy long shots and had no shot um I, I thought he did really well in that race to win and he's really well bred for the turf i, I didn't write down like all the specifics his siblings this but um, very well bred. He's bred much more for the turf than the dirt, which again, I don't know if that matters, but the fact that I thought he ran maybe the best race of anyone last time, turf or dirt by far, and he should, based on breeding, handle the turf. I think he can be very tough here. The question, like I said, is do you want to take a short price on a little bit of an unknown if he does handle the turf? So um, I, I just think he's, he's, he's pretty good. And at three to one, I'm comfortable using him here. Uh, there's actually a long shot that I like here that I'm going to build my plays around though. And that, that's why I like this card. Cause I, I found a bunch of long shots that I can play around with. And I just got to be right with one of them and I'll make money. Hopefully I am. I, there's a good chance I won't be, but I hope so. And my long shot here is number four. Wow. What a summer for James Lawrence written by John Velasquez. He's a four horse. Wow. What a summer. And why do I like this horse? Well, a few things. First of all, Another race, just like race nine, where there is a lot of speed in here. Now, it doesn't, I'm not a big predict the pace guy because it never seems to pan out. But I mean, you really look like you got, you have a lot of speed here. The one determined kingdom could show speed definitely on the stretch out he has before. 
uh, the two, maybe even locomotive, but then you got the three who likes to go to the front all the time. Uh, and that's uncaptured spirit. You got the seven riot houses, speed ball, epic luck. The six is a, is a speed ball. Uh, there might be, and even Joe has speed. It doesn't need the lead. It can come off. So it looks like on paper, a lot of speed and could get a good setup, but that's not even the main reason I like the four. Wow. What is some of that's just like a bonus. So this is a horse who ran in the Laurel futurity last year. That was October 2nd. All these, these are three year olds. So they were all two at the time and a bunch of them or a few of them are coming out of it. And I will say there was a lightning fast pace that day and closers dominated ready to perform who's in this race as the five horse came from the clouds to win it. Wow. What a summer came from pretty far back and actually was helped by the pace. He was 38 to one, just didn't really run that well. I downgraded that. So I'm like, I'm not going to like this horse, but then I watched his replay coming off the layoff, April 23rd, now a three-year-old, maybe more developed. And that was a race that uncaptured spirit, the three horse who's right next to him today or Saturday ran in an uncaptured spirit had a very easy lead and all the speeds basically held. And the four wow, what a summer was the only horse really to pass in the stretch. He was the only one making up ground in the stretch. He's probably not a short. I mean, he could be a sprinter. He had success sprinting, but I, I think the stretch out will do him well. I don't think it'll be a bad thing. And he probably needed that race last time. And I upgrade a lot because he was the only one closing. So I, I just think that I mean, I don't know if it's good that Johnny V took them out, that he's a live horse, but he, he would ride for Lawrence anyway, maybe if he, had, you know, if he was asked or if it's going to hurt the price. Cause if I had like Ty Connor on, I'd get an extra 10, uh, you know, instead of 15 to one, I get 25 to one, something like that, 30 to one. Uh, but I think this horse has a big shot. I mean, I, I upgraded his last start, second off a layoff. There's no monsters in here by any means. So um, I, I think Wildwood of Summer has a, a big chance. And I'm basically going to build around the four Wildwood of Summer and the 10 Joe. There's a couple more I want to talk about, but I, I don't want to hog it like I did last race. So do you have any thoughts uh, on race 10, whether it's the two I mentioned or anyone else? Yeah, I, I'd have a hard time taking three to one on Joe, a horse that he, he, he started his uh, career sprinting on the turf, really didn't show a whole lot, but he definitely is bred to enjoy um, running on the turf. Again, that was a sprint. That was his debut race. Forgiving for not not doing all that well. Um, but still, I think three to one's a little little bit uh, uh, stingy or you know, out, out of the question. You know, if, if you're talking three to one versus five to two, I would definitely be all over uh, the five horse ready to perform. I mean, how much more turf breeding do you want than, you know, Kit and Joy being the sire and the dam being at, uh, by more than ready. So uh, there, there's a possibility there. I, I like your angle on, on Wildwood of Summer. You know, that, that that's the type of uh, situation you need to do. And the, the Pimlico turf has never been speed favoring. And we've gotten a lot of um, moisture, let's say. So the ground should be somewhat soft. Uh, so um, I, I think it, it's, you will not see a gate to wire performance by, by any horse in here. So, um, you know, I, I know I, you, you think I'm out of, out of my mind normally, but when I mentioned this horse, you, you might, you <laughs> might, you might toss me off the podcast. The 11 horse, 50 to one morning line. World of Fools. Okay. If I remember correctly, Hoot Nanny was a decent turf sprinter um, for Wesley Ward. 
And I look all the way back down to his, uh, his first race and he got claimed out of a cheap, you know, made 15,000 made claimer. And Wesley Ward was the, the uh, uh, owner and trainer. So I, I think I, my recollection might be correct with Hootenanny. He ran well, showed, showed some speed, which may not be what he wants to do from the 11 post going a mile, which is a two-turn race on the turf. But I think he'll improve, uh, go, uh, you know, getting on the turf, the real turf. But, uh, you know, the class might be too much. Um, if you're looking for a closer, you don't like crabs and beer. And that's that's not, you know, food wise and drink wise. That's actually the horse number nine. I don't. Um, he's coming out of a, a much weaker race. I mean, a starter allowance optional clamor is not even close to what some of these are running. Now it wasn't right. older, but the fact that he was seven to two in that race, coming off like fifty buyers on the dirt, never on the turf, and um, there was a huge three-way speed duel in that race. It helped set up his kick. Um, okay. So he again, he could get another setup here, but. I just, I'd rather a horse that didn't get the setup that closed and now he should get the setup. So he's going to improve exponentially with this horse, maybe run similar because, you know, he, he might get a good setup, but he already got one. And, and the class tests here, I know his speed figure is similar to the other. So he's not impossible to nine, but um, that's not a horse I'll be using at all. Yeah. I mean, he, he does have probably the lowest um, turf speed figure outside. Actually, Joe, um, you know. Right. Well, you said that was his first start. Excused. First timer. Yeah, it was his first start. But yeah, I mean, there isn't there isn't a big difference uh, in uh, turf speed figures for for any of these horses. So um, I know I I meant I mentioned that the chalk and you know, I'd be on ready to perform, but uh, I you know I I can't argue with you with uh, well with the summer as well. All right, and, and just I want to I know you spoke about the five ready to perform. Just I know the horse can win and and it does scare me. And I, I'm a little torn here. First of all, he ran in that Laurel Futurity and talked about where it was like set up for closing. Now he won easily, but he had an amazing setup. I, I downgrade that effort. Um, and then he ran in Del Mar. Uh, and he didn't really do much, but and he was a favorite. I, I'll even if I forgive him for that, because it was probably, even though he was a favorite, it was probably still a tougher field than this, I'm sure. Brad Cox, I'm not a big stat guy. You rarely hear me rattle off stats here. But Brad Cox on the turf in non-graded stakes like this one, so non-graded stakes, off 180 or more day layoff, he's had 14 runners. How many of those have won, do you think? Brad Cox. Zero. Well, one, but you, you knew where I was going. You had the right idea. Um, one for four. This guy wins 30% all the time everywhere. 25, 30%. Now it's a small sample. That's why I don't like these stats. It's a small sample and who knows who the horses were. I didn't go back and look where they 10 to one shots, but I think or 20 to one shots. I had no shot probably. Um, sure. If they were like mostly favorites and they didn't do well, then I would be like, okay, that's a, something to look at. I didn't dig that deep, but I think the formulator is free now if you get DRF, so you can check it out yourself. But, that's uh, I'm looking for any reason to go against a horse. And that's one. My only fear is he's going to get a great setup here. If it wasn't for the speed factor in here and the fact that he should get a great setup, I, I would definitely be against the five. 
I'm just worried they're going to go really fast and he's just going to kind of clunk up and be able to win. But um, so I, I'm not like totally against him, but I'm not really on him, if that makes sense. I usually like to have an opinion on the favorite, um, although I think Joe might end up being the favorite, but most likely he's got this right, um, uh, Keith, because Brad Cox will take a lot of money with Florent Drew. So as far as betting the race, I'm going to key around because of the reasons you said about Joe, even though I think Joe has a very good chance of winning this race and is the most likely winner, I'm going to key more around the four, the odds that I'm seeing here. So if Joe's five to two, three to one, and the four wow one of summer is 15 to one, I'll key around the four. I'll definitely have a win bet on him. Uh, I'll, I'll have some bets for 10 exactas boxed uh, for 10. And then again, I'm, I'm, what I'll look at is like the odds. I'll throw the four with a bunch of horses. I'm not going to like go through each one that why I'm going to use them, but I'll throw the four in some exact key box. So four with, I'll use the one, I'll use the five a little because I'm king of 15 to one shot. It's okay. The one determined kingdom, I don't think is impossible. Um, the seven, the garden horse riot house is not impossible. And even the two locomotive, I'll throw in a little bit uh, with the, uh, the four. So I'll do like a exact the box four with um, one, two, five, seven for like a dollar or two, I'm not going to invest a ton in that. And then I'll do, you know, a much larger 410 exact the box. Uh, and that'll be my key bet. I don't think I'm going to bet triples and all. I, I mean, I, actually, that's not true. I might do like 410.5. I'll box that in the triple. 410.1, I'll box. 410.7, I'll box. 410.2. So the horses I mentioned with the 4 and 10. So I'll need the 4 and 10 in the money with one of those other horses. Uh, and, and that's probably how I'll play the triple. And I'll probably key the four on top in triples too with those four or five fours, including 10. So if the 10 runs out, I can still get the triple if it comes in like four, five, one or something like that. So that's probably how I would play this race. As far as doubles and pick threes, like from last race, race nine, here, here's how I play it. So I like the Irad horse in race nine. He's four to one morning line, but I think he'll be shorter. And I like uh, Joe here at three to one. But unless that double is paying decent like if it's an 18 or 20 dollar double i don't need that so even though i think there's a decent chance comes in what i would do is i would just leave out joe here so i would bet doubles where i have the irad horse last race and the long shot i like which was the four horse um the three horse the rudy horse in race nine so i bet the horse i like in race nine i'll even throw in vic little vic so i have three horses that race with my four this race so I'm going three horses I liked in race nine with uh, the four horse in race 10. You know, whatever, whatever you like. But, you know, I'd probably do like a $10 double with those. And then um, what I would do, I'd probably bet more with the Irad horse into the four here with Johnny. And then what I would do is I would bet the Rudy horse last race also in a double with Joe. So if Joe wins, I need the Rudy horse to race four. Because again, I don't need to spend $10 on the exacta um, Irad with um, in the ninth race on the uh, seven horse with Joe here, if it's going to pay short. Now, if they're both paying well, I'll, I'll do that as well. But that's kind of how I'll play the uh, the doubles there. And I'll look forward to it. So, you know, if I'm right on either the Rudy horse last race, Irad, and I get lucky with the four here, uh, I'll be in good shape. Um, but that's how I would play these races. I hope it's not Gigi, is it like really, I don't know if you're listening to me even, but is it confusing what I'm saying? Is it too, am I no, you, you're spelling it out? Yeah. Okay. All right. If it's, if it's annoying or confusing, if, I don't want to. If I can follow it. All right. Well, that was my point. Are you following or not? Okay. If you are, then I'm hoping people are. All right. So let's move on. I guess you were down there to the Sir Barton that you mentioned. $100,000, a mile and a 16th on the dirt for three-year-olds. I guess the, uh, the Preakness light here. 
And yes, yes that's what it is. <laughs> I uh, I have two horses I like here, and they're both double digit odds. I said I'm I'm liking some longies here, so this is a race where I'm gonna play bombs away. So, two horses. Should I go first, or you want to uh, you want to lead the show? Oh, you want me to try to well, no, figure I, out who you like? Oh, I didn't say that? that, but if you want, you can. I, I was going to ask if you want to go first and talk about this race, or do you want me to start? But if oh, you no, guess, no. horses, go for it. No, because I, I, I did, you know, I, I've been busy doing other things this week that I woefully uh, did not uh, dissect uh, the, the card outside of the Preakness race. Uh, uh, so I'll let you go. All right, so. Two words are like, I'll, I'll start with the longer price, and you already mentioned him, and that's the three. Write it on the ice. Rudy Rodriguez, the horse who I don't know what you were saying before about shipping down. I didn't understand, but um, you were saying the other horse shipped down, so they have another horse. So, yeah, hey, we're already shipping one. Let's ship two. But it's not like they have a favorite in one race, and then, all right, let's throw in another right. horse. They're both long shots. Um, no, they're so not. 15 to 1 and 30 to 1. Those are long shots. No, you're talking about the Rudy horse wheel and springs was four to one. Was that Rudy? Yeah. That, you sure? that was Rudy Uh-oh. in the ninth race. No, the three horses, Rudy. Dr. Jeff. Oh, oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, Whalen Springs, who might uh, be the I'm favorite, sorry, is Johnny Ortiz. Johnny Ortiz yeah. right. I'm sorry. My my bad. That's okay. You threw me off. I'm like, are they both Rudy? I knew the three was. <laughs> anyway, uh, he drew the three posts again here. So same number for Rudy. And if Rudy has a big day. Ruben will have a big day, so that's the <laughs> hope uh, here with Rudy. Uh, I guess Jose Ortiz, I said, which whatever. I know he's coming off a maiden win, so it's a little tall ask here. And listen, I wouldn't bet him if he was five to one, but for a huge price, I don't know if you'll get 30 to one based on the connections. He had a 67 buyer. He was bumped at the start, one to two lengths, kind of rushed up. He dueled a seven to two shot of his fourth. He ran a really, really good race. Now, it was only a maiden race, so who knows you know, who we meet. But you tell me who in here is a monster. I'll, we'll talk about some of the horses that are going to take money. But who in here is a monster? I don't think there's any monsters in here. I'm okay swinging on the three horse for that price right in on ice. I think he's an improving horse. He got a 59 buyer three back. He got a 63 two back. He got a 67 that was probably more like a 75 last race. Again, he did it against Weaker, I admit, but that's why he got 30 to 1. So if he has another jump up of 8 to 10 buyer points, uh, you know, on my scale, that's mid-80s buyer. I can see easily running that, and that could be good enough to win, and he couldn't even step up more. So um, he's got speed to be up close. He doesn't need to be on the lead. He's inside. He should uh, save ground here, maybe be either on the lead or just off the pace, and uh, Jose will hopefully work out a trip. So I think that horse is a big shot. And then the other long shot I want uh, did not draw nearly as well, uh, but the price is right. Although I think he's going to be shorter than this. And that's the 10 rugs with Joel Rosario for Ron Moquet. Uh, this is a horse who is coming out of a first level allowance win. This is another reason he'll take money. If you look who we ran against two back, we, the people, he, um, I believe he dueled, I didn't write this down, but I believe he dueled We the People in that race. I'm pretty sure, right? And then We the People just drew off. Uh, I could be wrong about that, but um, he, uh, We the People came back to run a very impressive uh, race at, um, at Belmont the other day. So people might see that and be like, ooh, We the People has a horse run 90 buyers. And I think he got a 102 at Belmont or something like that, some crazy high figure. So uh, he, he, was, he was racing against a good one there. He comes back, and maybe this should have tipped some people off to We the People the other uh, day. 
But uh, Ruggs came back April 1st in the uh, same level, first level allowance, and he won very easy. And uh, he stalked an eight to one shot. It wasn't like an all out duel, but he was right up on the eight to one shot who came in last. So the, you know, the pace was, you no, know, it's one horse. Maybe he just said something wrong, but the pace was probably decent. And what I wrote is he exploded late. So if you want to watch that replay, there are horses once in a while, visually, I'm like, holy crap. And I did that on rugs. Like that was like, holy crap. He just blew it away late. Like, who knows? The time was not all that fast per se and all, you know, maybe they were just slowing down the other. So it looked good, but I just thought he hit another gear as they were getting closer to the wire. He's another horse who's just improving every race. He does have to step up in class, but running against the the people who's much better than anyone in this race. Is he really stepping up that much in class? Probably not. So I think rugs is going to win the race. I don't think I'm going to get 10 to one. If I do, he would be, you know, 10 to one. I'd be all over him, but uh, because of three 30 to one, I, I'm, King around both of these horses. So I'm on the 310 here. And I'll gladly talk about a couple others, especially short prices. Um, but I'll let GQ jump in first. And then uh, if he doesn't touch upon them, I will. So go ahead, GQ. Yeah, I, I'm right there with you with Ruggs. He's been he's been facing the top level competition that these others haven't. Um, you might have some late bloomers that, you know, like uh write it on the ice. Horses that just finally coming into their own uh, late blooming three-year-olds and uh, they're finally just break it, breaking their maiden. Um, you know, I'll throw another price in there for you is the, uh, a local horse. Um, Mrs. Sheldon Russell uh, trains her, uh, trains the horse. And that's the four horse, the Addison core seems like the, the horses just c- continues to get better and better. Uh, ran a really nice race last time out. And, um, you know, uh, Brittany is close to 30%. And I don't know, maybe she just gets good stock or maybe she really knows how to train. But uh, um, her horses are always well meant. Uh, another one that, you know, the, 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 the numbers aren't there, but I think the horse is maturing again, you know, late bloomer is the nine Brooklyn diamonds. I mean, comes from, you know, bunch of connections that have deep pockets, you know, they, they're the kind that swoop in and offer six figures to small time owners after a horse went, wins the, uh, their maiden. Um, not sure if that was the case here when uh, Brooklyn diamonds uh, one is maiden at uh, seven to two at Oaklawn at the end of March came back uh ran ran second in you know uh maybe not so salty of a field um in the mud but he's got the breeding that says he could be a good one so um maybe take a look at the the eight nine horse brooklyn diamonds with florent jury all right i i don't like that one at all but okay um, you know I, listen he can win I just thought he had like a perfect trip pretty much last time. You know, he hugged the rail. Maybe the rail was bad in the mud. I don't follow Oakland, so I, I don't know. But um, I wouldn't want to talk you or anyone off, especially if he's 10 to 1. But I guess third start, he should improve. But uh, I'm I'm not a fan there. Um, but w- did you want to say anything else? Because we'll, we'll go back no. and forth on some others. But No, I, just other than since you're talking about, going to talk about others, I would guess that you're not a fan of Ethereal Road, the 3-1 morning line. Yeah, it's not that I'm not a fan of his. I, 
two back in the bluegrass. I mean, he was three wide. He got bumped around at the eighth pole, and he actually was making a little bit of a move there, and he kind of just stopped after he got, like, he got hit in uh, about the eighth pole. He got hit on one side, and then he bounced into another horse, got hit on the other side, and kind of slowed down. So I kind of excused that a little bit. I'm like, all right, you know, he ran pretty well. Then he came back in the Lexington. I don't know. He, he the only excuse I can find in Lexington is he was off a one week rest and maybe that was the reason he didn't run well, but I thought he had a good trip and he just didn't do much. Now, is there class relief? I guess so, but how good is Tony Port? He's okay. I know he's in the Derby major general. We've talked about maybe he's rounding back into form, but he's no monster at all. Um, he peaked at two. I think I could be wrong. Uh, so I don't know. And his speed figures are fine, but they're nothing special. Do I want a short price? Could he win? Of course, we're talking about number one, Ethereal Road could win, but I don't know. I don't, I don't need to bet this horse. It's not like I'm totally against him, but I just, I don't think he's that much better than anyone. He's kind of won the same race, each race, and others are improving. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm betting against Ethereal Road here. Not, not that I would be shocked. You have any thoughts on him or should I go to the next one? No, let's move on to race 12. Oh, I just, I'm sorry. I, I didn't want, not that I want to belabor the point, but there's a couple of short prizes I just want to mention. Oh, so okay. Five, I'll, I'll be quick. BB Dark, the five horse. This horse was run, ran a 92 buyer, breaking his maiden last time at Keeneland. Um, he dueled a nine to two shot who faded, but that horse checked badly, had major trouble. So he probably would have faded some anyway, but it made it look worse than it was. Um, and the other horse he was dueling was an eight to five shot who ended up um, holding second. Um, the question is, there, or to me, there's a lot of speed in here and he's got to stretch out in distance and he only beat maidens. I know the horse I mentioned, the three right in on the ice beat maidens, but I'm getting 30 to one. I'm not taking one of the favorites off of a maiden victory. So I'm willing to play against. Again, another horse I respect. I actually bet him probably, well, I don't know if I bet him before Ethereal Road, but um, a, a horse I respect if I be dark. I think I called him BB dark, but it's just be dark. But Going long, I'm with other speed in here. I'm willing to uh, I'm willing to play against. And the last horse, Unikey, if that's how you say it, the eight horse, who looked very good this um, this spring at Gulfstream. He ran at Keeneland um, last race in a first level allowance, and he was in a duel, and the duel kind of fell apart a little bit. One was a long shot, and one was a, a chalk. So he ran pretty well in that race. Um, so we got an 85 buyer. I, I thought he ran really well. I thought the race set up and closed. I was very impressed. If this was a seven furlong sprint, I would like him, but now he's got to go longer. If I bet one of the three favorites that I mentioned between the one Ethereal Road, the five B Dark, and the eight Unikey, Unikey is definitely the horse I would I would like out of those three. So he might be on some tickets, especially if you get four to one. So he's the favorite I like. And since I have two pretty big prices, or at least one big price, I'll be working Unikey in there. And the seven great skates going to be on my ticket too. Another Rudy horse. I guess I'm just all over Rudy here. Um, he chased three to four wide, mostly four wide last time. And it was a pretty honest pace. Granted, it was a first level allowance uh, race, but like I said, it's not like there's too many monsters in here. So I upgraded his last performance and I think he's not without a shot. He should be able to sit off the pace a little bit, which might help him, but um, you know, we'll see, we'll see how he runs. So I'm not against him either. Uh, this is a race that I can see one of eight or nine horses winning. I think the 10 rugs is the most likely winner, but I'm going to key around the 10 and the three right on ice. I'll definitely have an exact with them. I'll have triples with those two with a bunch of other horses. Uh, I'll key the three and 10 on top with a bunch of other horses. So if the three or 10 isn't in there, but one of them wins, I'll have the triple hopefully. Um, but Ethereal Road probably won't be on any of those tickets. 
uh, maybe with the three, if he's a bomb, because the three is such a big price. I'll use him with a lot of horses for like a dollar or two exacta, uh, just in case. But, um, you know, for the most part, that's how I'll play the race. And then as far as like pick three is from before, I said not to be too confusing, but race nine, I like the three, Dr. Jeff was 15 to one, the seven Wheeling Springs, four to one, and maybe the nine little Vic at six to one. So I'll use those three. I'm going to use in race 10, the four, Wow, with a summer 15 to one, Joe's three to one. And then I'll use the three and 10 here who are both double digits on the morning line. So I'll be at three by two by two. And that's going to be my spready pick three. So that means I'll have uh, for a dollar that would cost me what, 12 bucks. I'll bet a dollar or two, whatever. And then I'll press, then I'll start narrowing down. So maybe I'll single IRAD in the first race with that seven with the two horses in the next race, the two in the next race. So that'll be a press for a couple of bucks. And then I'll press with, um, you know, another horse in the middle leg probably. So that's kind of how I bet. Instead of spreading like crazy, I kind of just $12 for a dollar base pick three is, is pretty spready for me, but I have some big prices. So I'm okay with that. I know other people spread a lot more, but I'd rather have it for five or 10 bucks and, you know, bet $30 and spread it out and hit it for a dollar. So that's just the way I play um, the, the races here. All right. Um, all right. Race 12, since you were ready to go on to it. Uh, this is the turf sprint named after Jim McKay, of course, local uh, sports broadcaster. Any, uh, I know you always tell like a Jim McKay, either story or thoughts on Jim McKay. You want to share anything? I think I may have told this. He, he, he was the, the brains behind the Maryland million uh, and, and got that started. And um, I think either the second or third year of the Maryland million, he had, a horse that he owned that ran in it and the horse was a you know outsider you know 20 to 1 morning line or whatever but for whatever reason Lafitte Penkai uh, <laughs> uh rode the horse because he was in town to ride some other horses and the horse won and and I'll never forget the horse's name because the horse's name was Sean's Ferrari and Jim told the story that it was their son Sean and instead of buying a Ferrari, they bought this horse. <laughs> yes, you, you did tell, but it's okay. It's been a while. And it's oh, a good okay. Story. It's a good story. So it's okay. Some of your stories, you repeat boring. That one was good. <laughs> um, well, getting into this race, and we've had three races where potentially, if all goes according to paper, there's going to be hot, hot paces. In this race, which is a five furlong turf sprint, you think there'd be a lot of speed? I just don't see a lot of speed. And I, I haven't really chalked out yet. I don't love Caratory, the two horse, but do you, do you see anyone that's going to like put some pressure on him? I mean, should he just kind of get an easy lead in here? I know Hollis has some speed on the dirt, but he's not like a total burner. And I, I don't know the turf race he's had. I guess he showed speed one turf race. Maybe Hollis is the one. It, it, do you see that? Like a, a duel between those two or I mean, the 10 on dirt, but it's kind of cheap. I can't imagine showing speed at Mountaineer is the same as showing it in a, uh, you know, turf sprint here on Preakness Day, uh, stakes race. How do you see the pace here, just quickly looking? I, you know, I, I don't know. Uh, the seven Grateful Bread, his early pace figures are in the same stratosphere as um, yeah, he's shown territory. Some speed, you know, um, possi possibly seven cents, the three horse. As, as well maybe not pressing but yeah. you know uh making him go a little quicker than uh the, the the form shows 
but yeah, I mean, if you're going, you know, you haven't chalked out yet in the sequence. So if you can't find anybody else to, well, you know, run with him, why not chalk out? Yeah. Well, I actually like a, a bit of a price uh, over him, but um, I'm probably going to use category where I really haven't used too many uh, or any morning line favors in my pick five. Um, so, and the more I look, the more I'm like, eh, maybe Hollis will run with him. Hollis was in this race last year. I was down there last year for this race. I, I decided not to come down this year. I just, I don't know. I can't, I'm not a big race guy. It would be more for the company that I'd be hanging out with. And to pay like two, $300 for tickets to go to the racetrack is insane to me. Um, I, I was shocked at the price last year. <laughs> I probably, I shouldn't say this, but I probably, and I had a great time, but I probably wouldn't have got it if I knew the price last year. And our friend Tom uh, was very nice because he got the tickets. And I don't think he charged me quite what he paid, although I'm not positive, but I think he was very nice to me. So, um, but anyway, yeah, I just couldn't see paying that. And then the parking, a hundred dollars to park on Preakness Day. I parked 18 miles away and walked and anyway. So, uh, <laughs> he was in this race last year, Hollis, the nine horse. And he came in eighth. He didn't run too great. Uh, that was uh, a race that I actually, one of the few I nailed uh, with Fire Crow. I loved him with Joel Rosario. He was on the outside. It was, I think it was like first time dirt, uh, first time turf, maybe even, or second time turf. I don't think he ran much on the turf, Fire Crow. Hollis didn't run that well. He's been running on the dirt. He has that big race against Nashville, four back, where he put up that insane 109 buyer. And, you know, Nashville came back and hasn't been great, I don't think, although I think he had a good race the other day. I'm not positive. Um, you know, Hollis has been good, not amazing, but he's been good on the dirt. I don't know. I, I think Caratori either gets an easy lead or, or can sit right off the pace and get a great trip. And he's going to be tough. He hasn't run in a while, but I don't know. I wouldn't worry too much about that. He's been fine off of uh, short layoffs before. So um, Caratori should be tough, I would think. But the horse that I'm going to um, key my bets around is not Caratori because he's nine to five or thereabouts. Believe it or not, it's a horse that I also don't think I'll get the price because of the connections, but I'm hoping I do. And that's the five, Mr. Hustle. I might need a little pace for him, but Irad is, is pretty good. I think he'll work out a trip. I hope he does. So I get Irad and Maker, and that alone makes me think I won't get a price. But if you just look at like the form, maybe you will, because uh, he runs like high 80 buyers mostly. He's had a couple of rains that look bad, even though they weren't that bad. So why do I like him? Well, Last race, he ran against uh, Seven Cents, who's a three-horse. And uh, it was a, a high-level uh, allowance race down at Keeneland. And in the race, he was closing. There's the five, Mr. Hustle, really well. And he was squeezed in the stretch and lost a lot of momentum. Uh, he definitely could have won that race. Now, it kind of set up for closers. There was a lot of speed in the race. You can even see the fractions were fast. And in this case, you know, it was a lot of speed in the race. So he probably would have won or light had a good chance at winning, albeit with a good setup. But he, he he's better than he looks, I think, based on that. That was his first race with Maker. Before that, he was with Juan Cano, I guess. I'm not really from, I mean, I've heard of him, but I'm probably butchering his name. I'm not really that familiar. And nothing against that trainer, but, you know, maker on the turf off of claims is always very good. So, you know, another race under his belt. He had a good chance of winning that race with maker, getting a 90 something buyer uh, without the trouble. He would have won with like a 93, four five buyer. In fact, seven cents got a 94. So he probably would have got something like a 94 again with a good trip though. Um, I, I can see the horse improving second out for maker. If there's some speed, he should uh, fare well here. He doesn't have to be way, way back. Um, he was last time because it was insane pace, but you know he's been somewhat close, not on the lead per se on the turf sprints, but um, tough route routes he's been on the lead. But 
uh, he can be fairly close. And I think his last race has been a little look. So um, I, I do like the five, Mr. Hustle. Uh, um, the two, I think, has a good shot. And there may be one or two other words I wanted to mention. But th- those are the two horses that I see with the most likely chance to win this race, uh, especially for the price on the five, Mr. Hustle. GQ? Yeah, I, I, w- I would just chalk out on one end character I You know, I, even though speed may not um, hold on the Pimlico turf, you know, when you have a horse that is probably going to go out and uh, dictate the pace, and he's classier than the others that have some speed. And I'm not even so sure um, if Hollis, maybe just from your memory, Hollis on his other turf races, the two that we can see uh, in in the past performances, he, he really didn't show speed even, even early, you know, and fade. I mean, does does he show the same speed on turf that he does on dirt? Well, I mean, you can say I did watch on uh, December nineteenth, twenty twenty. We're going way back. He dueled Just Might, who I want to say is a grade one uh, horse, turf sprinter. Um, he dueled him okay. at Fairgrounds on December 19, 2020. And Just Might came in second, and, and this guy, Hollis, came in third. So that was a really, really impressive race. Um, his next turf race was the grade two Shaker Town. He was 24 to one. He just, I didn't watch the replay, but based on this, it looks like he just was either overmatched, um, you know, against much better. And then that turf sprint I mentioned last year, he really, to me, didn't have an excuse. Um, I don't think I watched. Oh, no, I did watch it. Look at this. I watched the replay. I have notes here. This is the, the race he was in last year, his last turf sprint. Uh, steadied some on the turn, uh, but still, uh, but saved ground and don't think he had much. Oh, so he was saving ground the whole way, which was a big help. And he got steadied a little bit on the turn. Uh, number nine, Hollis, when he ran in the turf sprint last year. But he really wasn't looking like he had much horse left. So I don't think it really hurt him that much. He wasn't doing anything, in my opinion. So listen, I can see Hollis winning. I'm not like against Hollis, especially if he gets six torn or more. But I, I just prefer the others. If he runs like he did in that, you know, fairgrounds race against Just Might, he's going to be very tough here. I just, you know, are you going to see a race he ran 15 races ago? He's been good. Don't get me wrong, but. Um, I'm not against him, but I'm not like in love with him. He, he would be, you know, if I had like a fourth pick or something like that, you know, he'd be around there. Good. <laughs> yeah. All right. And just, um, real quick run through the one bank. He's had perfect trip on the dirt. I don't know if he's going to take to the turf. So, um, Asmussen three for 37, actually he's one for 17 in turf sprints, on the first time turf in non-graded stakes. I don't know, maybe that's a silly stat, but non-graded stakes, trying the turf for the first time in sprints. Asmussen won for 17. Again, I'm not a big stat guy, but some people like that. So if you like that, you won't like them. You're getting the price on the one bank. The three seven cents just got a perfect trip last time in that race with uh, Mr. Hustle. And he was being passed at the wire as well. So I'm kind of against seven cents. Brad Cox, dangerous being against some Brad Cox horses. He can win, but I don't know. Those are horses I play against. Um, and then I actually like, what do you think? Cause he's a local horse, the four Arthur's hope. Now this is a horse who doesn't really have much turf breeding, but I really like some of his rays on the dirt and each one's getting better and better. Like he's rounding into form. His last race was really good. He was in a three-way duel, um, against the Milton, the monster is a very nice horse. It was two to five in that race. He won the race, but, um, and a five to one faded towards the back came in six out of seven. So it was a real hot pace last time, even though it doesn't look it. And that, you know, 
don't listen to DRF as speed. No, it was not a speed favoring race whatsoever. If this horse takes to the turf at all, listen, he's a bomb. Uh, so it's not like I love the horse or anything, but at a bomb, maybe a chance. Any thoughts on Arthur Chope? Am I, uh, you know, fishing or barking up the wrong tree here? Well, I'm, I mean, here, here's the thing about Arthur's hope, which is amazing. I always love that a horse, here's an eight, eight-year-old horse, that he's still a horse. They, he can reproduce if they, if they wish him to, which is rare, uh, unless you're talking about a high, you know, stakes horse, which maybe he was back in the day. But the fact of the matter is this is his turf debut. But what I do like to see is where they've entered him in the turf and possibly, um, you know, it comes off. So, you know, they, 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 they were confident that he could run on the turf. Plus, if you're local on May, May 1, in Maryland, they rarely let you work out on the turf. You know, it, it, it's a, you, you got to get a, a note from the Pope um, <laughs> in, in order to, uh, you know, get, get a, a workout on the turf. And he did uh, 52, doesn't look impressive, but considering it was, you know, second of 10, who knows, he could have been running against a bunch of $10,000 made claimers, you know, that were working out on the turf that same day. But um, yeah, you know, Arthur's hope he, he had been there. So, yeah, you know, who knows? I, I can't blame you for liking it. Yeah, and many tracks, you probably know this better than me, they allow, like, if you're a, tur- if you're a stakes horse, they let you work on the turf or something like that. So I'm assuming that the horse working on the turf were turf horses. I don't really buy workouts anyway, like we talked about in the past, but uh, I'm assuming those were decent horses training on the turf, but you never know. Oh, so yeah. um, this is a race that I don't think I would bet vertically. I mean, if Mr. Russell is 10 to 1, I'll keep some bets around him. I think he'll be a little shorter. I don't think he'll be more like six or even you know, six to one range, but I, I don't know if I would bet this race only because I'm not like a, I mean, I kind of like, I don't love Caritori, but I kind of like him. And while I'm against like the three, who's a short price, seven cents, I'm not like he can't win. I'm just against him. Hollis can win. Like, I just see a, a lot of possibilities here where I can't throw out any short prices definitively. So it's kind of race. I probably wouldn't bet. And if I bet, um, horizontal into it, like doubles and pick threes, I, I would probably just bet um, the five, Mr. Hustle, and hope that he wins just because Caritori is such a short price. Maybe because I had some long shots in the other legs, I would bet those long shots into Caritori because I'd hate for like Rudy to win at 30 to one last race and then Caritori win the double pace 350 or 400 bucks for $2 and I didn't have it because you know I was uh, you know stubborn and, and didn't want to throw him in. So with some prize up throwing Caritori, but for the most part, I'll be I'll be focused on the five in this spot. And oh, uh, oh go ahead. Um, dur- during your last um, dissertation on, on this race, <laughs> uh, Keith actually popped his head out uh-huh. and came out to get a, a drink. And I, I motioned to him, do you have a minute? And unfortunately, uh, not only is the morning line odds maker, he also helps with the charts, writing the charts. And we're right now, they just finished the eighth race. So he's got to, he had to do the chart. So unfortunately, I couldn't, couldn't get you to going back and forth about his morning line on well, uh, in race nine. Well, I hope he's right. So I, I hope he knows what he's <laughs> doing. But in, in all fairness, Keith uh, Fusely is talking about who, if you watch Laurel Feed, he often does the pre-race show uh, where he talks about handicap. And he, he's very good. He's, he, I don't want to like be mean. If you're listening to someone at Laurel, he's the guy to listen to probably as far as like the handicap. He, he's very good. Um, well, he's a very and, good morning and, line maker. And 
to I'll, I'll answer for him based on what your question is, is as far as why it's like i mean yeah does one race make a Fair. horse and cogburn has the history of being consistent and good whereas wheel and springs stepped up ran a big big number is he going to come back and do the same and that's a very fair point, but I guess my counterpoint would be, you know, like I teased him uh, a couple of months has ago. Chad Brown, like, has he ever heard of Chad Brown? Has he ever heard of Irad? Because that alone will draw a lot of money. Now, if it was like Manny Esquivel coming to ride, yeah, four to one. Okay, I can't I, listen. I hope because I think the horse is the most likely winner in that race, and if the most likely winner is four to one, I'm very happy. But anyway, let's uh, let's move on to the main event, and that is the. Preakness Stakes, grade one, 1.5 million. I was all ready to read like what number Preakness Stakes, but it doesn't say what number, so I have no idea. It's actually, it's actually 147. Beautiful, and the 147th. For, yeah, and for whatever reason, there's been, there's been one less Preakness than there has been a Derby. <laughs> that's that's what you can remember if you, you know. So. Yeah, I don't know uh, what that is, <laughs> why that is. And, I, and, maybe I should. And actually... And, and, and actually, the purse is actually 1.65 million because of a horse uh, oh. supplementing for 150,000. So. Very true. The two created minister we'll talk about. So, how do you want to play this, GQ? Do you want, I mean, do you want to just quickly go through each horse? There's only nine of them. Do you want to just talk about the ones we like or don't like? Let, let, do let's, to- just, let's just touch a little bit on each one and then go back to who we like. All right. I guess as we touch upon, we'll probably say if we like them or not. But yeah, um, the, the one, I'll let you go first. Simplification. Okay. Simplification. I wasn't a fan of his. Uh, I know early, early on, uh, you know, back when he, I think, uh, won the Fountain of Youth, you were big time on simplification at that point. And then you got, got off of him. Um, but I'm a fan simply because right after the Derby, two days after the Derby, he arrives here at Femico. And in my history of covering the Preakness and being the local guy who comes out here in the mornings to see the Preakness runners and for a week before the Preakness only see one, that one horse typically does very well in the Preakness. I know there's been tons of Preaknesses but since, but one that points out, uh, steps out in my mind is Louis Couture's really didn't run a good race in the Derby came back because of the familiarity with the surroundings. I might be barking up a wrong tree with simplification here, but um, at least that right now, that's my excuse for kind of like it. And you? Yeah, I'm, I'm torn. I'm not, I'm not a, like, I don't love him here, but I'm not against him so much. You know, the Derby, he got such a good pace. I mean, it was, uh, everyone knows this. It was a monster pace you got to downgrade horses coming from the back and you got to upgrade horses that were close to the pace. So I, I kind of downgraded the Derby. Now he did get squeezed a little at this uh, early, not right at the start, but pretty early in the race. He got squeezed back a little bit. He didn't have a wide trip, but he didn't go four wide on the second turn. First turn, he was like two wide. So overall it was kind of like three wide. So we ran a little extra ground, but for a Derby, that's not terrible because there's so many horses, but that setup was so good. This is a weaker field overall, I guess, top to bottom, but um. I just, I don't know. And I liked this Florida Derby because I thought the pace was honest and, and he, he was up on it, kind of stalking and dueling. 
So I upgrade that a little bit. To me, he runs the same race every time. And that race is good enough to get it done here, maybe. So I, I'm kind of like wimping out. This is the one race I don't have a great feeling about. So I, I'm, I'm okay with him. I, I would use him in bets because I'm going to bet a price here. Um, so he'll be on my tickets like that. But uh, but I'm not in love with him, but I, I can see him winning. So how do you like that? Maybe I, like third I, or fourth choice he'd be for me. Third yeah, choice I'll, probably. I'll add a negative, and maybe the, the, the buyers are different than the Brisnet, but his pattern is, you know, he improves, then he regresses. He improves, regresses. It's it's up and down, up and down, up and down, and and he improved in the Derby. So if the pattern continues, they'll regress. Well, a couple of things. Real quick, uh, his buyers are pretty steady. He's gotten between 90 and 96 in like each of his last five starts. So they're pretty steady. But remember, how do they get the numbers? Like he, he got a 96 buyer in the Derby, which matches his highest, which he got in the Fountain of Youth. But remember, the Fountain of Youth, he had awful trouble. That was a 96 where he probably ran like 100 or more. The Derby got a 96 with a great setup. It was probably more like a 91 or 92. So, you know, to me, he kind of got worse in the derby if anything so that's what i'm worried about another race coming back quick but it's not like this is the toughest field in the world so you know the more i talk the more i'm against him but i i don't know <laughs> you're talking to leaving him off but at least six to one he'll be on my tickets a little bit uh the two creative minister ken mcpeak for brian hernandez i'll let you start off and then i'll, I'll chime in if you miss anything or I, I have anything to add Okay, I mean they they made a big deal. I mean all all Ken McPeak and the, the group. When you talk about oh they put up the money and, uh, to supplement him, they were too stupid because they knew he was a late bloomer, and so he would, probably wouldn't make uh, the Triple Crown Trail. So they said oh after that last race, um, they're they're hanging their hat on the fact that in his last race that he won on Derby Day, he got. A 108 Brisnet, and a couple hours later, Rich Strike got a 106. So they're saying, "Hey, you know, we're as good as these." And so they're ponying up 150 thousand. So to recoup any amount of that, the horse has to win or run second. I looked at his, you know, all three of his races. I wasn't that impressed, you know. Yeah, he had a, a slight uh, hop last uh, race, but otherwise he had like a perfect trip. So he might have lost like a length and a half in the start, but he had a perfect trip. That's got to make up for that length and a half or more. Uh, the buyers and the Brisnet are extremely different in the Preakness, like a lot of horses. It's crazy. In fact, I looked, and if you look at the Brisnet, you're like, why is Epicenter going to be like four to five? If you look at the buyers, you're like, how is he not one to five? So it's it's a big difference, and we can touch on them when we get to the certain horses, but Creative Minister got a 92 buyer here to um, give you an idea, like simplification on 96 in the Derby. Uh, and uh, the winner or the second place horse in the Derby, I'm sorry, uh, Epicenter got 100. Uh, so Creative Minister got 92. But I said, even though he had the hop, I thought it was a great setup uh, and like a perfect trip or a good setup, a perfect trip. Could he win? I guess if he improves again, but I don't know. On the class hike, he's not a horse that I wanted. I'm not like totally against him, but if you're getting double digit odds, I'm okay with him winning uh, potentially. Again, I, I view him very similar to simplification. They might be on my tickets because I'm using a long shot, but um, they're not really, you know, like high, high on my list, but I would not be surprised at all. Uh, number three, Fenwick. If you want to add more, just jump in. Otherwise, I'll move on. No, but no, three, Fenwick. I mean, you know, because Rich Strike won the Derby, uh, you don't want to like say a horse has no shot, I guess. That's what everyone's saying this week. But let me just say that 
Rich Strike winning the Derby would be less of a surprise than Fenwick winning this race to me. Um, a Fenwick, if he was running at Belmont on Saturday in a meeting claimer of New York brands, I, I don't know if I would, you know, he would win. I really don't. I might look silly and he wins this race, but I, I just, I'm not going to waste time on Fenwick. And listen, if you like him, God bless, you're going to get a, a big price. I'm, I'm, I'm going to somewhat paraphrase and steal with uh, Andy Serling. Uh, I saw he had tweeted about um, Rich Strike's win uh, in, in the Derby. Um, looking at Fenwick's PPs, he makes Rich Strike's resemble secretariats. <laughs> <laughs> This horse, he's gotten only one buyer above the 60s. It was an 88 when he had that easy, easy peasy lead against uh, Command Performance, who was coming back off the layoff. So uh, let's just move on. Oh, then, Command okay. Performance. How many times have we mentioned that horse? Yeah, name? I know. Whether it's workouts uh, against Major General or General, whatever his name is, he's come up a lot here and uh, has not performed since his two year old season. But all right, so let's go to Secret Oath because now we have a, a you know significant contender here. Secret Oath, uh, go ahead. I said I'll let you start. Go for it. Oh, okay. Uh, Secret Oath, I was all over Secret Oath in the Oaks. I thought that uh, she ran a huge race in the Arkansas Derby. was roughed up early, made a huge middle move, kind of flattened out late. Barber Road just nipped her uh, to get second. Um, I'm, I'm old school when it comes to Phillies, three-year-old Phillies, you know, running <laughs> against the boys. Two, two weeks later, and, you know, everybody's going to say, oh, but Swiss Skydiver ran in the Oaks. Well, yeah, that was COVID year when they ran the Oaks in the Derby in September. And then a month later, they ran the Derby. Uh, I'm sorry, they ran the Preakness. So scratch that off your list as far as the, the two-week turnaround. Oh, but Rachel Alexandra won the Oaks and uh, the Preakness. Yeah, Rachel Alexandra made a mockery out of the Oaks, one by 20. So I'm pretty sure she was somewhat geared down. And then so two weeks later, the Super Philly comes back and is all out to hold off mind that bird. So, yeah, this isn't the strongest of Preakness fields, but uh, you got to take a stand against some short prices and She's the one that I'm taking a stand against. All right. So we know GQ is a sexist. So all the ladies out there, if you want to uh, hit him up at Horse Racing Nut, you can yell at him. I don't care what sex the horse is. I care about how the horses run. So two back in that Arkansas Derby had a you know, pretty bad trip with a, you know, I don't talk about jockeys much, but not exactly the greatest. Uh, so you can upgrade that big time. Last race, he sa she saved ground around the first turn. Ran five wide around the second turn. So that kind of offsets a little bit. So if you're like, oh, crazy wide trip, well, save ground the first turn. So it kind of, like I said, offsets there. Had a pretty good setup. Got a 94 buyer. I don't think really improved off the Arkansas Derby because based on that trip in the Arkansas Derby, she probably ran similar in the Kentucky Oaks. And listen, I did very well with her. I, I, I had a miserable Derby day. My Oaks day was good though. Derby, I was disaster betting. But with the Oaks, uh, you know, we got lucky with the uh, the pick four into Secret Oath. I think it paid like a thousand bucks or ten ninety or something. Um, so I, I use Secret Oath. I like I like Ness better, but I, I use Secret Oath and Ness, and I think one of the horse. So uh, I was okay with her. I was happy with her winning. But I, 
like to me, she's run three similar races now. So again, I like horses that are improving or should improve. I just don't see improvement here. Maybe she's run enough to win, but to me, this is why I don't like the race that much. The one simplification, the two agreements, and the four secret, they're all very similar to me on how I think they'll run this race. I think simplification is possibly on the downswing. I could be wrong, but he's still good. Creative minister is on the upswing. So that's the positive with the two, but he's not as good yet. So you got to get better to keep up with these. And Secret Oath is kind of just like, I don't know, plateaued, I think. And, you know, she is what she is. It still might be good enough, but I, I don't know. I, I, another horse who I'll use with my long shot, but I'm not like in love with. Um, if we can, we'll move on to the five early voting. This is a horse that I have a differing opinion than every other prognosticator I've heard. So let's hear your thoughts on early voting. And then uh, I'll tell you why I'm different than most people and possibly you as well. Okay. Every, everybody. You know, at first glance, the nine horses who are entered in this race are going to say, oh, well, this is going to be a much softer early fractions. It's not going to, well, I think any race is going to be softer early fractions than what the <laughs> Derby was. So, um, yes, but um, hold on there, Bunky, because early voting is not going to go out there with Jose and set like, you know, first fractions of 24 and change and 49, okay? You know, Fenwick, they know that the only chance this horse has is to try and go. So they're going to go out and press early voting. Um, the uh, horse that we haven't mentioned yet, Armanac, uh, had a one-on-one uh, with Tim Yachtin, and he said that uh, the horse is going to go. So there's at least three horses vying for the early lead. And I'm sure that if um, the, you know, Armanac and Fenwick don't get the jump and can go with early voting, I'm sure your favorite jockey in the whole wide world, Joel, one will probably be the fortified favorite. He's not going to let early, early voting get away. So I think there will be enough pace pressure that early voting will not be able to go gate the wire. Yeah, and Chad's talked about the horse coming off the pace. He, he'd rather him, you know, chase a horse or be behind a horse or whatever you want to call it. So I, I don't know. That's just trainer talk, but I, I don't know how the pace will set up. I'm not good. You're better at that than me, but I, I don't think any of these horses are like burners per se. So uh, I can see anything happening between the words you mentioned. I can even see Epicenter closer on the lead uh, in this race too, especially if it's a slow pace. Epicenter will be either on or right there with Joel, I would think. Um, all right. So every show I've heard, cause I listened to a few podcasts, you were on one of them. So I listened to that one. They had a lot of guests on and universally, it seems like early voting is, is the Vogue pick. Is that a word? I don't know. Vogue. Yeah. I think that's the right word. In Vogue. Is In Vogue. Maybe that's it. Very good. Thank you. I don't like early voting. I don't, he's off my tickets and here's why I know he could win because he's an improving horse. And if he improves again, he's, you know, close. But this is a horse who ran in the Wood Memorial. That was only his third start. He had an easy lead, I thought. He just walked, was able to walk around the track, still got caught. He was on the inside, which was probably the better part of the track, even though Mo Donegal snuck up the inside. But I think, you know, he was mostly on the inside here. Um, I don't think he faced any pressure at all. I mean, AP Secret, a long shot. He's not a bad horse, but probably doesn't want to go that far. It was pressing him a little bit mid-race. But he, like, I was watching the race. I'm like, holy cow, because... It was a race with uh, early voting, um, Morelli, 
and um, uh, Mo Donegal. They were, they were like the three favorites. I think everyone else was like a, a price, the other four or five horses. So I'm watching the race and I'm like, all right, one of those three is likely going to win. I didn't like early voting because he came off an easy lead in the Withers. So I'm like, I got to downgrade him, but he can get better and win. I, I'm not a huge Mo Donegal fan, but I thought he was at least like he had run a better race in the Florida Derby, the race before, whatever race it was, the Fountain of Youth, I forgot. So, all right, he ran a better race because he was coming off with some great trips. And Morello, who I loved like the race before or two races before even, I was questioning the distance with him and also I didn't really love any of those horses, but I didn't see the long shots winning per se. And I'm watching the race. I'm like, early voting got out too easily. I'm like, oh, early voting is going to win. He got the easy lead. And the fact that he didn't win was very disappointing to me. And I know some people, oh, Mo Donegal came back and what did he run? Like fourth in the Derby, something I don't even know. He was somewhere in the mix there. But he got the great setup in the Derby. He had the, the perfect setup. He probably had the best trip of anyone uh, based on the setup. So I'm not like that impressed with Mo Donegal. Um, I just think early voting had easy lead. I would downgrade his last effort. Now, this is where I think Brisnet, he got like, you know, like he's Superman, like he's a secretariat, according to Brisnet. But if you look at the buyers, he got 96 buyer, which is similar to everyone else in the race. And I downgraded that a lot. To me, he has to improve like a good five or 10 real buyer points, not like what it says here, but what I gave him. Um, and could he improve like 10 buyer points? Yeah, but not for me at a short price. I I'm happy to play against the horse. I know he can win. If we come back next week and early voting wins the Preakness, I would not be shocked, but he's definitely a horse I'm going to play against at uh, hopefully a short price here in the same spot. And I'm getting sick to my stomach listening to people comparing to cloud computing because I love cloud computing. And that was, that was like when I was first becoming better at this thing, like the betting part of the game, um, you know, I was still losing probably when cloud computing ran, but I was starting to get a little better with my betting. But um, a few friends who might be listening, though, I was all over cloud computing. Like, I love that. I was waiting for him because I forgot if it was the Wood Memorial, whatever race he was coming out of. Um, he was like up against a huge bias. And it was like he ran so well, sneakily well, in like two straight races. And I was just waiting for him to get like a normal trip on a normal day. Early voting is the opposite. He's got an ideal setups. He's no cloud computing. You use the line in another show that you knew Rachel Alexander and Secret Oath is no Rachel Alexander. Well, guess what? I know cloud computing and early voting is no cloud computing yet. Now, cloud computing never really got better and that was the end of his career. Early voting might end up being a better horse long-term, but at this point, I'm against early voting. So all the podcasters, all the pundits out there, they're picking them. I'm happy. Keep picking them. If he wins, he wins. I will not have him anywhere in my top three all right sorry i went so long but i had strong passionate feeling about that horse and defending my cloud computing hey well be, before we move over, i'll just make one quick observation typically you know if if you see enough horses bad you know low level claim or stakes race horses you can recognize a good classy horse just by its physical attributes that's all cloud compute, not cloud compute. Now you got me talking cloud compute. Uh, <laughs> early voting, and I was like, you know, that really, this is early voting, not very physically impressive, you know. So, uh, uh, with that being said, um, so uh, start with Happy Jack. Sure, uh, and that makes me happy that you said that because you know, just hopefully reinforces. Happy, I have nothing to say. You like Happy Jack more than me. I think this horse has no chance. He he saved ground and a perfect setup in the Derby. Did absolutely nothing. And no excuse. I know it's the Derby. That's the excuse, but he didn't run well in the race before that. I, um, listen, is he better than Fenwick? Yes, but I don't want Happy Jack. I mean, well, he can improve. You got O'Neill, whatever. But I'm 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 not wasting time on Happy Jack. Go ahead. 
I, I agree with you. you. You can't win, but sometimes this game, people are interested in playing exactus, trifectas, superfectus. I think he's uh, a long shot worth putting on the bottom in your try and super. And here's why. Yes, he did have an excuse in, in the derby. Everybody's going to say, where? I didn't see anything. You know, you just ran around the track and did nothing. <laughs> well, if you were paying attention to the race before they opened the gates, they were on the gate. He was in the two posts. They load in the last horse. We're all, they're all in line. All of a sudden, you see a lot of commotion in the two, two gate. That's Happy Jack. Oh, wait a minute. Got to back out Happy Jack. Who knows? Mate, you know. The horse may may have just been you know hyper that day. Maybe he was off his game. Horse wasn't going to do anything that day. That's my excuse for him. And he's just a plotter. He's not going to be impressive whatsoever, you know. And you know, I guess he I guess he only went off a twenty three to one in the Derby because he ran behind the two horses that everybody was betting in the Derby, you know. Uh-huh. So. A lot of jacks were betting the Derby. It's a very popular name now, so maybe that's why. <laughs> but he had that so, great setup so in the Santa that- Anita Derby. There was a huge duel in that, and he did nothing. I, I just, it's fine. Listen, I, I can't argue. You want to put him on need. You want to bet him. He's a long shot, but I just, I'm not even, he's not in my top four at all. Well, you know, I'm, if I bet a try, he'll, he'll be on the bottom of my try. Yeah, not, listen, I'm not going to knock you for putting a 30 to one shot anywhere on your ticket, so go for it. Um, you want to go to number seven? We're, we're dragging on sure. here. Yep. All right, number yep. seven, Armagnac, whoever you mentioned it before. I don't know how you said it, but Armagnac. Uh, I don't have too much to say about Armagnac. I'll, I'll go quickly first. I said I'll let you go first. But this is a horse who had an easy lead against allowance horses last time, and he looked good because of that. Could he win? I guess another horse could win, but uh, horses who had ideal setups against weaker are usually not good bet backs. These are three-year-olds. They're improving maybe, so who knows? But, um, yeah. And in the uh, Santa Anita Derby, again, it was a big duel that race that day with uh, Forbidden Kingdom, who faded, and Messier, who was dueling on the pace. Taibo Satchesoff had a pretty good trip to uh, to win. But Armanac, Happy Jack, no excuse. Other than maybe they were just better horses than what's in here overall. Um, but, yeah, Armanac, easy lead. I'm, I'm, I'm off of him. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you just look at his five races. One thing stands out. If he gets the lead, that's where he wants to be. You know, if he gets behind horses, he, he doesn't fire. So, you know, pick your poison. If you think he and only he can get to the lead and, you know, hurt uh, early voting's feelings, get the jump, you know, hey, I don't know. Maybe maybe Keith does know Irad because he made this horse 12 to 1 morning line and he made Happy Jack 31. Happy Jack's beat this horse twice. <laughs> I don't know. I think Armanac might finish ahead of Happy Jack, but I don't really like either one. So, um, <laughs> all right, let's go to uh, 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 a beer. A beer on that one? Nah, no, I mean, I, listen, yeah, I'll yeah. do it if you want. Just have fun. But I don't have. I don't like either one. I'll bet that neither one of them come in the top four. <laughs> that I would bet, but a beer on. But uh, all right, number eight, Epicenter. This is a horse I'm I'm torn on here for a few reasons. Obviously, it's the uh, six to five favorite. If you look at the prison that I said, you'd be like, why is the horse six to five morning line? If you look at the, uh, the buyers, horse has two straight hundred plus buyers where no one else in the field is, I mean, I don't want to say it come close, but no one's had higher than a 96. And this horse has a 102 and a 100 on his page here. So from a buyer standpoint, but I don't really care about the raw numbers. 
This is a horse who I was against in the Derby at a short price because he had such ideal trips in the Risen Star three back. He had that easy lead and um, I, I thought, you know, really benefited him. And then he had a perfect trip in the Louisiana Derby sitting right off the speed. So I'm like, oh, I'll downgrade him. So I knew he had a chance in the Derby. It's kind of like with early voting. I said, I wouldn't be shocked if the horse wins. Although I think Emmy Center had a better chance in that race than uh, early voting has here. But um, I can't decide on the Derby. Did he have a perfect trip because he kind of saved ground for the most part behind the speed? Or was he kind of close to the pace? And any horse close to the pace, you have to upgrade because it was a monster, monster pace. I mean, I listened to Craig Milkowski talk about this race uh, of time form who we've had on as a guest who's a very good handicapper. And you know, he basically said that he feels Epicenter kind of sucked into the pace, meaning, you know, he was off of it when it was really hot early. And then when he got close, they were already slowing down. So he kind of thought he had a really good trip. And so I'm torn. If I thought he had like a perfect trip, I'd be way against him here. But I, I don't know. Maybe he was early. Maybe he made an early move into the pace and, you know, just got caught because of that. So I respect Epicenter more now than I did going into the Derby. I don't know if I want to bet him at a short price, but, you know, when we talk about who we like, you know, I'm betting a long shot here, so I'll, I'll use Epicenter with him. Um, I think he's still the most likely winner, Epicenter. But I, I don't know. I'm not, like, in love in love, but I, I do think he's the most likely winner of the race. And, you know, he is going to be a short price, but, you know, maybe it's warranted. Uh, I hate saying that after I've been against him every race. It's just the competition is not nearly as tough here. There's no Zandon. There's no, uh, you know, some of those other horses that were in the other race, the Derby. Your thoughts? Well, I mean, as as handicappers and prognosticators who share our opinions, there, there's, you know, you're it, it's a lose-lose situation because, you know, you're not going to beat your chest by picking Epicenter. And then, <laughs> you know, when he wins and pays 380, you know, it's like, oh, okay. You know, Captain Obvious. Th thanks, thanks for your opinion. And at the same time, it's like, okay, let's try to beat him and try to make excuses for the others and hope that he doesn't run his A game, which it seems that he has. And ever since his his first start, when he he, he backed up a little bit, and that was uh, I talked to uh, Steve Asmussen about that, and he said that was opening day at Churchill, and um. Uh, he had been um, uh, training uh, on at, at Turfway uh, before Churchill reopened because they were redoing their uh, turf, so mm -hmm. the track was closed. So they were shipping horses to Turfway to 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 work out and jog. And he said all the horses that seemed to be running on the tapita when they came back to the dirt at Churchill tired more easily. So that was his excuse for his debut uh, backing up. But, I mean, as far as Brisnet, he's just like climbing a ladder of uh, uh, speed figures. You know, yeah, I'm going to try to beat him. But, again, uh, come 30 minutes before the race and I'm out here and I always make a habit out of going on the backside when they leave their stalls and do kind of like the walkover. You know, I look at each one of them to see what type of physical attributes they're possessing. If he looks like a monster, you know, I'm going to bet accordingly. If I think some other horse look, looks better, then I think it, at worst he'll, he'll get beat and, you know, he, he, he could be used 
uh, in the second hole for a try or exacto or super. So, you know, that's, that's, that's my point. I, you know, looking to beat him basically. Yeah. And I can't blame you for that. I, I, I looked to beat him last time. It wouldn't have mattered because I wasn't using rich strike. Uh, let's go on to the nine horse Skippy long stocking. We'll get your thoughts, thoughts, and then I'll, I'll wrap it up. Skippy long stocking. I actually want to, 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 to like this horse, but I did some digging into the dam and the dam had like five races all dirt with for turf sprints, nothing above seven furlongs. He's got a half brother uh, who was a moonlight strike uh, a couple years older than uh, Skippy. And he, he ran his best race was he ran third in the uh, Tampa Bay Derby. He also ran the Jeff Ruby stakes, ran sixth, ran fourth in Sparty Jones. Horse had three wins, none above a mile. So I think Skippy is going to be a distance challenge even though he passes my eye test in the replays he looks like he's a horse that will continue to run and run well um safi joseph i talked to him and he he thought the horse was you know was getting tired and might be a sprinter because running a mile you know he wasn't finishing well but then he said after Junior Alvarado got off of him three back at Gulfstream, he goes, no, nah, this is a two-turn horse. You want to take this horse two turns and look what happened uh, in that next race. He, he goes on win, wins going away. Uh, you know, he – at least he got the, the you know, mile and an eighth. But I, I think he might be one that, you know, it's like they're coming into the stretch and maybe Skippy is in a nice position you know, moving forward, but he kind of just flattens out. So he's the other price horse that I put uh, at the on the bottom in my exotics. All right. Well, if you've noticed me talking about the race, I basically knocked every horse like, eh, eh, eh. So guess what? <laughs> Skippy it is. is. I'm all over Skippy here <laughs> at 20 to one. So I don't like just touting horses. You know, we talk about it's more about the process. So give people ideas on what to look for handicapping and all that. And, you know, maybe talk about some ticket structure, but um, this sequence, I'm, I'm like 30 to one, 15 to one, 10 to one, 12 to one. And, and here I'm 20 to one. I hope, I don't know if I'll get that much, but I hope so. Um, in the wood Memorial, I was dying to like this horse because I said, I had questions about all the favorites. I like Morello, but it, the distance, plus I thought he might get into an early pace battle with early voting. I didn't like early voting very much. Although I knew the horse had a chance in the wood. And I'd been against Mo Donegal coming off of, um, you know, perfect trips. So I'm like, who's an alternative? And there were like none, but Skippy, I'm like, ah, but two back that March 2nd race, he had such a good setup. It was an insane pace. I mean, there was like a runoff, which made it really insane. But even still, I was like, how can I bet him off of that? A perfect setup against weaker. Nah. So I didn't bet him at 17 to one. I don't think maybe I bet triples. I don't even think I bet the race to be honest. I, I think I just watched and I was impressed. I thought he ran really well because, as I said, I thought early voting just had an easy lead in a paceless race. I don't care what the time says. There was no pace. And Skippy wasn't that wide. There's no head-on available as far as I couldn't find one. I wanted to see the head-on. I think he was like two wide and then two to three wide. But I was listening to David Aragorn and said he was like three wide at least the whole way. So I hope he's right because that makes it even more of a case. But either way, he ran a lot more ground or a decent amount more ground than early voting or Mo Donegal in that race who hugged the rail. And the rail was pretty good. And I just thought that by far was his best race and he's improving. I think they're 
potentially could be paced here, but he's a horse who could be somewhat close if he needs to. You know, maybe Junior, I'm hoping he can get him in a good spot. There's a long run, uh, you know, until the turn, so he's got plenty of time to work out a trip. I, I just... I think there's upside still because, like I said, I thought his last race, 88, two back, 88 buyer was more like, you know, low 80s because he got a great setup. And then he got the 91 last time. So he's improving. The Brisnets love him. So, you know, if you go Brisnet, the only thing about that is maybe I'll get a shorter price if people are using Brisnet speed figures. But um, I can't say I love the horse here. I think he has about the same chance as the one simplification, um, as the, and maybe even better as the four. Secret Oath. I think he's a little better than the two of you, or definitely better. Like I, I think he has an equal or better chance on towards I'm getting close to 20 to one. I, I can't resist. So I'm all over Skippy Longstocking to win the 147th or whatever you said it was, Preakness Stakes. And, you know, Epicenter scares me. I just, I, I'm not in love with anyone. So that'll be my uh, main play. And uh, I might even single him in pick fives. Uh, that's going to be, you know, a possibility, but more than likely, I'll use a, a couple of horses here in the pick five and including him, but I'll press with him and uh, I'll go shorter in the first leg there or something like that. So um, yeah, that's, that's how I see the Preakness. Uh, I'm, I'm on the nine. Uh, hopefully you're wrong. The uh, average winning distance of the dam is like a mile basically. So, which is the same as every other horse in the race. So uh, I'm hoping the the breeding, you know, whatever kicks in. I'm glad what you said about Junior Alvarado. Cause when you started that story, I got scared. I'm like, uh Oh, he, why is he running him? If he doesn't think he can go, uh, you know, long distance, but that was a long time ago already. And, uh, and all that. So listen, was he really moving late in the, in the wood? Eh, he was gaining slightly, but, um, you know, it wasn't a pace. If there was a pace there, I mean, imagine there was like a pace battle. If, if early voting got in a pace duel with, um, AP uh, Farrell, whatever the horse is, uh, AP Secret that was chasing him. They get in a pace door. Yeah, Mo Donegal wins the race, but Skippy Long's had a second in that race, and he wouldn't be that far back. So um, I, I'm, I'm happy. I, I said enough about him. I'm not in love, but for the price, I'm in love. So Skippy Long stocking it is for me. That's all I got. Well, I, I, well, I, I think we've surpassed our longest podcast. <laughs> I didn't even have a guest. Oh. <laughs> Well, without a guess, yeah, well, about an hour and a half, which is longer than I wanted to go because I know you're at the track, and I actually want to get ready for the uh, Charlestown uh, carryover. I studied the first three legs. I got two more to go, so I'm going to look at that Thursday night's carryover here. But Maybe folks, in Canterbury. Folks, if, any, if anyone still actually buys a, a Webster's Dictionary these days versus just using your phone or electronic, I think – if you turn to degenerate, you'll see a, a picture of Eric um, <laughs> in the dictionary. So <laughs> uh, I'm pretty good during the week, but carry over. And then on that wasabi chat, they're all, I, I kind of turned it off, but they're all talking about uh, Canterbury. And I looked, there's like 10, 12 horses every race and 10% takeout pick five. So I'm like, all right, if I finish the Charlestown pick five, I'm not doing anything tonight. And I thought I was going to be on here for four hours waiting for you to get guests. So we ended uh, earlier than I thought. So we'll see what happens. But anyway. Good luck to everyone at the Preakness. If you're going to the races, uh, enjoy. If you're watching it elsewhere, enjoy it too. And good luck. You have any uh, final comments, GQ? No, just that everybody, uh, you know, have have fun. Uh, tons of races. I mean, there's 28 races at Pimlico Friday and Saturday. So if you can't find a good race to, to bet on, then you're just not a handicapper, I guess. So, yeah, just we, we, I think we've said enough for the week. Um, is it next week we have a, uh, a prize-winning guest or something like that? No? I've got to double-check, <laughs> but I think it is next week. I don't remember offhand or in two weeks. We'll, we'll talk about that when the time comes, I guess. All right.
All right. So good luck to everyone out there. Enjoy the weekend. Ta-ta.